Hey guys, it's a great day. Back with another great episode of the PFREI podcast, Passion for Real Estate Investments, where we talk with experts on their personal experience in the real estate business in order to provide the best investment strategies and techniques used by leading fund managers, financiers, SEC attorneys, house flippers, real estate accountants, and more. I am your host, Fuquan Bilal, and I'm very excited for the next guest on the show. For this episode, I sat with Sabrina Allen, a real estate and note investor who shares how she got her first job in a business without a degree, the value she receives from hosting mastermind groups, and how the real estate business is a life changer, not only to herself, but for others as well. Another great episode I'm excited for you to hear. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy. All right, guys, another great episode of PFREI, A Passion for Real Estate Investments. I'm your host, Fuquan Bilal, and we're here today with our guest, Sabrina Allen. Oh, man, it's been a long time coming. I've been chasing you down at these events, trying to get you on the podcast. So we had the opportunity today. We had the Noteworthy Investor Summit here in uh, lovely California, and uh, I ran into Sabrina. She actually just finished her presentation. Great presentation, by the way. Um, she's always been one to add value to people in the real estate community. I've learned a great deal um, from her over the years, and she continues to add value. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about that, the maximizing stuff you do. But first, let's start off and talk about, you know, how did you get started in the debt collection business and the real estate um, mortgage note business? Um, but just real estate in general, because you're doing some real estate too. We'll yeah. get into all of that stuff. I like that. But let's talk about your start in this industry. You know, how you guys started? How did you start it? So I needed a job. Okay. <laughs> um, that, that's, that's real talk. And I remember it was New Year's Eve and I was sending out tons and tons of resumes and all of my friends worked the collection side and I always worked the administrative side because I was always admin support, I think, for my nurturing personality. And I'm like, if they can do that, I can do that. And um, so I actually I submitted a, a resume to National City Bank on New Year's Eve. I'll never forget it. Just trying to start new, um, 1995. And I got a call um, for an interview. And at that time, it was for small business collections. And most of the people in the department had a degree, and I did not. And um, my resume was impressive to the manager who was actually interviewing me. And he says, you know, he said, well, you, have one, you have one strike against you. And I said, what's that? He said, you don't have a degree. He said, so I'm going to bring you in. He said, but I'm going to pay you about $17,000 less a year. Um, then I'm, I'm paying um, my other staff. And you have to prove yourself. Hmm. And I had a choice then, knowing that I was actually coming in very underpaid, required to do the same job, or I could go in and show them what I was worth. And I went in and I fell in love with it. Within 90 days, I became the department trainer and started really just climbing up the ladder. But then I, I was seeing all these files over in the foreclosure department. And I said, what are they doing over there? Yeah. I said, I think they must be lazy. No offense. It was all men over there. And I remember the charge-offs were high, even back in 95, 96. But one of the things that um, was puzzling to me is that they didn't foreclose in Pennsylvania at all. And so I got to ranting and raving. And so the manager said, well, why don't you transfer over? Just bid out and you can come over to my department. And when I went over, when I first started, my goal a month was $230,000 a month Mm -hmm. when I first started in foreclosure. By the time I left in 2004, my goal was $2.6 million. Oh, wow. Um, But it was just one of those things that I kept beating myself and um, got creative, started selling some stuff to somebody in New York. Um, 
giving them my junk, not knowing that it was their treasure and not knowing that those transactions would kind of really end up with where I am today. Wow. So that's kind of how I got started. It yeah. was it was just basically needing a job to be able to take care of my kids. Awesome. Now you're you're very passionate about it because you all you continue to add value to others. That's sort of how we met at these events where you were actually um, educating people and showing them about this business. And you you made a statement that stick with me today. Um, you know the collection part of it. You know to be very mindful of it because there's a real live person behind these, this house is just not a, 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 an investment tool. you got real people behind it. Mm-hmm. And you said that there's a heart in every home. Yeah. That's your statement um, that, you, that you made and that resonated with me. I was like, wow, you know, it's more than just a high-end collection or trying to make a profit off it. It's about adding value, you know, being socially responsible, adding value to people, saving people in the homes and making a profit mm-hmm. while doing that. So talk a little bit about that. Being on the collection side, I'm pretty sure you've dealt with all different types of, of, of people that you've helped. Um, you know, I know there was a situation that happened before that, you know, hit, hit home with you with the bar and all of that. I don't know if you want to get into that, but um, this, this talk a little bit about that. Like the, the, the journey that you've been through on a collection side, um, you know, leaps and bounds and, you know, where you see the value at, you know, because a lot of the new people want to get into this business and they're just looking at the money, the money, the money, and they're not looking at they're not putting things in perspective and saying, okay, these are real live people that are mm-hmm. in these homes that have families. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about that. So I think about where I came from. Um, 19 years old, uh, single mom, um, pregnant, and homeless. So I, I remember that somebody helped me, mm-hmm. and they had a choice to help me. And I always made a commitment that if I got into a place to be able to help people, um, because it was the circumstances. It wasn't that I wasn't working. It wasn't that I wasn't trying. I had just made some some poor choices in life that would not allow me to get ahead until somebody helped me. And I always thought about that, that somebody extended the olive branch to me. And if I was put in a position to put America back on its feet one mortgage at a time and actually do it and treat people like they were people and not just numbers, not just an investment, I vowed to do that. And and I I go to the heartbeat in every home because you never want to be on the receiving end of that phone call. Uh, when you have a moving company showing up to move someone out and somebody's laying in the doorway because they've committed suicide. Um, that was, that was a life changer for me. I thought about that. Um, Miss Reynolds, she was, um, she was an African American woman. And I thought this could have been me. This could have been my mother. It could have been my grandmother. It could have been my sister. And it was life changing for me. And no profit in that transaction was ever worth this lady taking her life. Mm. Never. Wow, yeah, that's that's deep. I remember you talked about that years ago, and I was just like, "Wow, that's crazy!" You know, you go through the process of trying to help somebody, and they feel like there's no way out, and they just you know take their own life. And being a collection person on the other end of that, you go through that. I mean, there's been you know, tons of times when asset managers that that has worked with me, you know, had to go down a path of you know trying to work something out, going on a legal path, and the person had health issues and all that. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot. You get you know emotional sometimes, and it's hard to recover from that. So that's one thing that. People need to know about this collection piece that, you know, when you have your loan servicers or asset managers in the collection, that's that's the part that people miss. Mm-hmm. So um, and I always talk about when you evaluate these assets, it's not just the property. You also evaluate the borrower and taking that into account. So nowadays um, you're doing some real estate. Also, mm-hmm. we always talk about that when we talk over the phone. You say you see me on Facebook doing some stuff and you're doing some stuff where you are in Ohio. Let's mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that. You made the transition from the collection piece to doing education, um, you know, to 
helping out um, other people in the industry, you know, buying notes and stuff. And then now you're doing a little bit of real estate also. So you've done a little bit of both um, notes and real estate, which I call diversified hybrid real estate investing. So what made you want to get into real property? Like you never did that before. What was the fears getting started in that and why? Well, I don't think I had any fears because I had, you know, done some Mario's and um, I was seeing the profit margins in that. But for me, it was diverse, diversifying my portfolio and never putting my eggs all in one basket. Um, I just remember there was a time I was working for a very large hedge fund and there came a time where there was a time for separation. And that separation I wasn't prepared for. My children were in college. I'm making a $36,000 um, tuition payment and I, my income stopped. And I had not prepared for that income stopping and I said, well, if I had done A, B, C, and D, and I would have had another egg in the basket, I wouldn't be in panic mode. I wouldn't be trying to figure out how I'm going to reinvent myself in order to be able to survive because I didn't want to go back to corporate America. Mm -hmm. I did not want to go back to a bank. I didn't want to go back and sit behind a desk. So that was what made me get into uh, real estate. And then where I'm from, real estate's pretty reasonable, pretty cheap. So I was like, well, I got some investors that want to diversify, that'll do some hard money loans, that'll fund my deals, and I can actually also create another um, revenue stream that I can that I don't really need to depend on. It can just be mailbox money and can just sit and um, kind of collect dust yeah. for when I retire. And the other thing that I found out is that based off of the life span of my family, I had not prepared properly where my grandmothers are in their 90s. And I'm like, I, I haven't saved enough money to live. Yeah, yeah. So that was really what made me get into the fix and flips. And, and it seems to be fun. I've got to work on some things because I think that I'm, I'm giving away some margins. Yeah, we were by. talking about that. You're putting too much expensive <laughs> fixtures in the house. And I was like, hey, I use $12, $15 light fixtures from Home Depot. And I was in awe. Yeah. I'm like, I can't put that in the house. <laughs> They'll talk about me if I do yeah, that, but yeah. um, just I am trying to dial back on how I actually um, the kitchen is really like my thing because I like to cook and yeah. like the kitchen is my haven of rest. So every time I go into a kitchen and I start um, telling people, you know, tear this wall down, open this wall up, yeah, yeah, um, you yeah. know, put the barn door here to separate the living room from the dining room. So I get all excited yeah, about yeah, doing yeah. this stuff. And then I'm not really thinking about costs and thinking about the return that I got to give my investor their money back. Yeah. Or if sometimes I'll do just a straight loan, sometimes I'll do a JV, depending on how long I think I'm going to be in the deal. And um, it keeps my money, you know, coming back where I don't have to go look for new sources for money because I have made my investors very profitable. By yeah. Doing that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a skill set that you'll learn over time. I mean, I've, I've been doing real estate for 19 years. And again, um, with the renovations, they get costly. Like, it's tough to stay on budget with the real estate and with the renovations. So I usually, you know, put 10 to 15% more above above what I estimated for renovation and try to fall, you know, within that line and try not to run beyond that. But the flips, if you're doing flips, then it, it sometimes it, you know, is necessary to put higher end quality products in the real estate because like the kitchen is going to attract the woman, the kitchen in the bathroom, that's what you guys like when you walk in the house. Need that wow effect, so mm -hmm. you have to spend some money on that. But for the rentals, mm -hmm. please <laughs> don't put big pictures and all of, all of the forty eight inch ranges and all that stuff in the rental property. So, um, and I and I try to invite people also by doing some of the Facebook lives and everything that I do, just showing the product. Sometimes I'll talk about buying in bulk or how much I paid for this and where I got it from, so people can pick up on that and do that. So. Um, but that's great. I think that um, everything you mentioned is great, having that diversified model and building other revenue streams. 
Um, and then also you're doing some mastermind stuff also too, uh, which is part of the education, which is another revenue source and adding value to people. So let's talk a little bit about that. Like, um, you know, I know you did it before and you're coming out and doing it again. The structure, what is the purpose of that? Let's just talk about that. What is the purpose of creating that um, venue uh, where people can come and connect? Like, what do you get out of that? So I actually, every time somebody comes to a mastermind that I do, I learn something as well. Mm -hmm. So it's also um, making myself um, available and opening my mind up to learn. Mm -hmm. I don't know everything. And there are people who can come and bring things to the table who can teach me some things to actually for me to have the ability to share. So um, one of the things that um, I never thought about was um, holding, you know, my real estate in trust versus holding it in my name. And I was like, oh, I could have done this a whole lot different just just to make life a little bit easier for me. And that was one of my takeaways from one of my masterminds that I did last year. So I've been doing them, but I've been doing them like maybe two or three people. So now I've scaled up to 10 people and that's kind of like my cutoff. Um, and also teaching people that, you know, you don't have to manage everything to be successful. Yeah. And, you know, people in our space, in the note space, they want to control every aspect of, of their deal. And I think that they're um, not giving themselves enough credit to trust a servicer um, and just showing what we're capable of as, at Main Street as a servicing company. And I just made a rule that you can't work, do your own workouts if you service with us. Yeah. It's just yeah. too much of a risk. It's too much of a liability for us. So we just don't allow it. And then it also gives me a, a platform to actually be able to sell assets that Main Street has. Where And so all those emails back and forth and, and getting frustrated, I can actually use it as a teaching moment for everyone in the room when we're going over and we're analyzing data. And it's, and it's actually tapes that I have the ability to sell right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a number of reasons why I chose to go back into the masterminds. It benefits me a little bit personally, but it also benefits the business as well. Awesome. And these are assets that we own, so I don't have to get permission from anyone to be able to get rid of them. And when people are looking for product and they say they can't find it or they really don't know what to do, if it comes up with something with title, we're right there. We can look, we can dig through it, answer questions. And then it also allows other people in the note space to know that some of their questions that they feel like they're not worthy to ask, somebody else in the room is willing to ask those crazy questions to get answers. Yeah, 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 that's good. And I kind of like that because it it pushes and pulls and, and you get a lot out of it. This year, in fact, I've invested into two masterminds to kind of take myself to the next level um, because I was feeling as though I was in a place where um, I wasn't growing, you know, and I was like, wow, I need to be around, you know, other like-minded people mm -hmm. who can push and pull and take it to the next level so that the masterminds are all for that um, and doing that. So um, one last thing before you go, I always ask my guests this, and I think I asked you this yet, why are you passionate for real estate investing? I think because it's a life changer for me, but it's also a life changer for other people as well. And I think that that's where my passion, where I can actually see those aha moments in other people's lives mm -hmm. and making a difference. And actually, not just notes, real estate, fix and flips, all of those things. Um, one of my things this year is, is the people who are getting a $10,000 tax refund, take that and buy a distressed property. Mm -hmm. And even if you let it sit, pay the taxes for a year and then take $10,000 and put into that property. Now you have an investment property. That's a game changer. Yeah. Um, and, and people are like, well, why would you encourage them to buy a $10,000 property? Well, they're going to blow $10,000 on things that their family really doesn't need. And for me, it's a cultural thing. Um, and it's, you know, investing back in the community that you, you live in and you can make it a better place. 
Wow, that's awesome. That's powerful. Now, where can one find a ten thousand dollar asset at? In Alliance, Ohio, Canton, Ohio. Yeah, okay, you, you you can, and um, and that's really how I got yeah. started. Is that like a two bedroom, two bathroom, or one bedroom? Um, what is that? So some of them are um. Like they're three bedrooms. Three bedrooms. So you get ten thousand dollars. You get a three two bedroom, one bathroom, somewhere like that. Probably like another ten thousand dollars in fixing up. And what would the rent roll on something like that? Five to six hundred dollars. Wow, that's a great return. Mm-hmm. That's a great return. Mm-hmm. And then within two or three years, you make your money back. Absolutely. That's you, awesome. You start over again. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thanks for coming on the platform and sharing your knowledge. I really appreciate it, guys. It's another great episode. Sabrina Allen, uh, guest on. PFREI, a passion for real estate investing. See you at the next episode. Like us on Facebook, watch us on YouTube, share this with somebody on Instagram at passion, the number four REI, and on Twitter, the passion number four and REI. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Once again, another great episode of PFREI. I want to thank Sabrina Alman for joining us on the show and sharing her wealth of knowledge with our listeners. If you enjoyed this episode, then please follow us on PFREI Instagram and Twitter add a passion for REI. Please be sure to share this with anyone else who has a passion for real estate investments. Send us a DM with any of your questions and we'll be happy to go over them on the show. Thank you everyone for listening and until next time, it's a great day.